We live in a world of darkness, and we are teaching about being the light of the world. It's something that God is calling his followers to do. If, if you're not a follower of Jesus, then a lot of what we're saying today may not apply to you. And we'll tell you how to become a follower of Jesus. But when he comes to here, God has a calling on your life to be light in darkness. And I want you to catch what he's saying here. And let's, let me read it and you follow along. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse number 13, the Bible says, this is Jesus' sermon on the mountain. He says to his disciples, ye are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost his savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing, but to be cast out and to be trodden under foot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle, but put it and put it under a bushel, but they put it on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. The light of the world. Last week we began a series called Be Light. And for an entire sermon, I carried around this backpack on my back, and it is, it is heavy, okay? It's a backpack that's filled with rocks. Could you imagine going about your work with this on your back? Could you imagine? I, I, this has got to be about 80, 90 pounds or so. And uh, could you imagine trying to do life with these weights on all the time, I can barely keep it up any longer. Jesus calls us to salt the earth. He calls us to light the world. But oftentimes, instead of us influencing the world, the world has influenced us. We, as Jesus said, we become salt that's lost its savor. We're, we're, not, we're not salty salt. And we surely aren't shining lights. We've, we've put a, a bushel over our candle and the idea here is that we have picked up some rocks in our lives. And what we all need to do is we need to take those rocks off our back. We need to examine what they are. And in today's passage, Jesus is going to teach uh, on four different lifestyle rocks. Four things that he is so clear in teaching about. But I want to tell you a story just to help you kind of understand where, where he's going. A couple of weeks ago, my youngest son, Graham, gotta love him. He's, he's a great kid. He's so funny. He's so full of life. Uh, he thought it would be an awesome idea to go into his sister's room and take this little spray bottle and uh, she uses to clean off her whiteboard, right? She's got this little spray bottle. She'll spray her whiteboard and wipe it down. And uh, he started to spray her with the spray bottle. That's so much fun, right? You spray your sister, you get her wet. This is right before bedtime. And if you're a parent and you know bedtime, like right before then, you're just waiting for rest. You know, you're like, it's almost over. Like they're almost done. We're almost not going to see them for a whole night here, you know. Well, Lana takes the water bottle and they, they begin to fight over this water bottle and she is spraying him and now they're outside the bedroom on this laminate floor. And wouldn't you know, they're spraying water, the floor gets wet and Graham slips, he falls and he breaks his femur. Uh, right there, right before bedtime, 
And um, I, as, the, as the kind, gentle father that I am, I come to him and I say, what are you doing on the floor? Get up off the floor. Is anybody, would you do that? Uh, you, some of your moms are like, you're so mean. Well, Graham has a tendency to exaggerate things, right? He's, he's sort of dramatic. And uh, he's, he's usually exaggerating. So I'm, he's like, dad, I can't move it. I can't move it. Uh, come, to, come to find out he really couldn't move it. And um, he wasn't pretending. Well, uh, fast forward, he's had surgery. He's on the mend. Praise God for that. He's got a little walker and he's taking steps with his walker and his pain has gone down. Isn't that great? And um, we, we're so glad he's feeling better. Well, in, in the process of this, Graham has, um, he's gotten some fans. Let's put it that way. You kind people, his grandmas, aunts, uncles, they all like buying them little treats and coming to see him. And with our kids, I have this problem in training them. I always teach them when, when you're in public you, and some adult is talking to you, I need you to look them in the eye and talk to them. I'm trying to teach them how to perform in public. And if your kids are like mine, they don't perform well at all. Uh, they, they, it's really difficult. And I say, this is how you act when you're around adults. You look them in the eye, you smile, you shake their hand. If they ask you a question, you keep looking them in the eye and you answer their question and you talk with them. And uh, I'm realizing that my, my kids, you know, I'm asking them to act a certain way that they just aren't yet. They're still growing, right? They're still learning. And I'm saying, behave this way. Act this way. I, I want to preface what I'm teaching today and what really what Jesus is teaching today because he gets in here and he talks about our lifestyle as Christians. Uh, actually, he's so practical in what we do and what we don't do. But right off the bat, he, he goes in and he says, there's no room in this for hypocrisy. It's not about how you act in public. We, we're in a world today and uh, the darkness is very dark. It's very, there's spiritual wickedness. There is evil in the world that God calls evil. Uh, you know, the, I'm going to get into that. But you know what? We are asking ourselves as Christians and as followers, God, how do I act in this world? And Jesus in this passage is telling us, I don't want you to act. I don't want you to pretend I don't want you to know what a good Christian looks like. I want you to be transformed from the inside out and actually live out what you're being taught. I know that's right. Three introductory remarks. Number one, this lifestyle of being light leaves no room for hypocrisy. Look with me in Matthew chapter 5, verse 17. He, he told us to be the light of the world, and then he says... Think not that I'm come to destroy the law or the prophets. I'm, come, I'm not come to destroy, but to fulfill. For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law till all be fulfilled. Within the ranks of, of, of Jesus' people, uh, of his disciples that he's teaching here on this mountain, and nearby it seems that there were some Pharisees, that there were religious people. And Jesus says, before he gets into his first teaching, and he says, you know what, I'm not in opposition to the law and what it says about righteousness. I'm not in opposition to that. I'm actually coming to fulfill it. I'm coming to show you what it means to live righteously, to be righteous. He goes on in verse 19 and he says, 
Whosoever therefore shall break one of the least of these commandments and shall teach men so, he shall be called least in the kingdom of heaven. Um, if you want to get on the, the bottom of the list, the, the, you're called the worst, the least in the kingdom of heaven, then what you're going to do is you're going to teach truth, but you're not going to live it. Okay? He, he goes in right and he talks about these pretenders because in Jesus' day, a lot like our day, there are people that know what's right. They say what's right. They teach what's right. They tell everybody else to do what's right, but themselves, they're not actually living what's right. It's all talk. It's all thought. It's all conversation. And Jesus says, listen, uh, whosoever shall do and teach them, in verse 19, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus contrasts the religious people of his day, and he says it's not just about looking right on the outside, having all the right answers. I want you to live right. I want you to be, like actually be. Like it's not something you have to try hard and pretend. It's, it's who God is working out in you. And a lot like my son, I'm asking him to perform in public. And I say, act this way in this situation. And really, I'm asking him to be a hypocrite. I'm asking him to do something that's not coming out of him. Uh, I'm asking him to pretend to be something he's not. Now, with children, obviously, we're teaching him. He's learning my teaching on how to interact with adults. Well, when Jesus is teaching here, I want you to know he realizes where you're at in life. He knows his disciples. He is realizing they are not perfect. And he's not asking them to pretend to be perfect. And when you come to church here, we're not asking you to pretend to be perfect like you got it all together. As I teach through these things, Jesus is talking about our lifestyle. Jesus is absolutely calling us to be certain things, to do certain things, and to not do certain things so that we can be light, representatives of him in this world. But he's not calling you to pretend. He's not calling you to learn how to act in public. He's calling you to learn how to be transformed from the inside out. The, this lifestyle leaves no room for hypocrisy. Secondly, it requires a relationship with Jesus. Uh, he, he, calls, uh, he, he says in here in verse number 20, he says that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. He's saying if you want to enter the kingdom of heaven, your righteousness needs to be greater than those ones that were oh so righteous. What he's teaching us here is not works-based salvation where we do things so that we are righteous. What he's saying here is you need something outside yourself to change you really from the inside out. Jesus is teaching that there's a true righteousness that doesn't come from your external keeping of laws or rules or knowing all the answers. It's something that comes from Jesus because when we accept him, his righteousness is applied to our account, right? We're righteous because of him, and then he teaches us to live righteously in this present world. It requires a relationship with Jesus. If you're going to be his ambassadors, you've got to get your strength, your teaching, your transformation from him, okay? I'm not calling you today to, to look at these lifestyle uh, rocks that we're going to look at and say, you need to figure out a way to incorporate this in your life. I'm asking you to seek God and go to him because he's going to change you from the inside out. Does that make sense? It's a different way of thinking about it. Requires. Jesus is the vine. We are the branches. He's the source of our ability to live as lights in the world. The third thing before we get into the message really is this. 
If you are going to be a light of the world, this is demanding of your total commitment. Every time that Jesus calls people to follow him, he follows it up with what it's going to take. He, he says you, you, don't, you don't build a tower without considering the cost. You, 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 you consider it up front. And he never fakes us out. He, there's no bait and switch. He tells you right up front, if you are going to follow me, it's going to require you giving me your full life. He, he says in Matthew 16, 24, uh, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. And what I'm going to say is, I don't want to us go through these three messages last week, this week, and next week about being the light of the world and reading Jesus' teachings about being the light, and we think that means it's a Sunday-only thing. Being the light of the world is something you're giving yourself to as a calling. It's something that Jesus is calling you to, and it requires that you not be a Sunday-only disciple, but you follow him every single day of the week, every place you are. If, if you're going to write anything down today, I have one main statement. Are you ready? Say yes if you're ready. You're all still here? Listen, we don't want to stand up again, do we? Okay, I'm just kidding. Here's my main point. Being light means that you live the lifestyle Jesus teaches with authenticity all the time. Being light means that you live the lifestyle Jesus teaches with authenticity all the time. When Jesus, he calls us, he says, you are the salt of the earth. He wants you to go and be a, a flavor enhancer. He wants you to preserve the world as his representative. But he also says, you are the light of the world. He wants you to go in there and he wants you to display the truth. You are to be a representation of truth being lived out to your family, to your workplace, to your world. He also wants you to give direction as light gives direction. He calls us to this. But here's what it means. It does not mean pretending. It does not mean acting. What it means is, I learn what Jesus, this is something that uh, you cannot separate a Christian from the Bible and the teachings of Jesus. You cannot go out into the world and say, I am a follower of Christ, yet you live differently than the Bible. Does that make sense? Now, let me preface this. I've already said God doesn't want you to be a hypocrite. It's not about acting. Jesus realizes that we all pick up some of these rocks I'm going to talk about, and we all need to work through them. And if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But let me also say, God has a high calling for us. If he says he wants you to be light in the world, he wants you to be a light in the world. And a light is distinct. Yes, it is. means it stands out. If he calls you to salt the earth, salt is flavorful and it has an impact on those around it. We don't want to be salt that loses its savor or light that is covered. So being a light means you live the lifestyle Jesus teaches. To say that you're a Christian and say that you don't agree with Jesus' teaching, that is hypocritical. That is false and that would be telling others you're not actually a follower of Jesus. You may like that Jesus can save your soul, but you don't like that he calls you to follow him in daily living. You follow me? You, you, does it make sense? All right, let's get into this message here. Four lifestyle rocks. Uh, last week, we illustrated that we pick up things in the world that are influencing us. This week, 
I want you to go with me and we are going to open up our backpack and look at four rocks that Jesus teaches about. And these are real heavy rocks, okay? Just, these are rocks. And some, some of you guys have a, a, a really heavy rock. And I, I just want to, I want to see what Jesus says and ask you to align your life with that. And if, if you find that this is something as, as I teach, that you've got this rock, I'm going to ask you to bring it to Jesus. I'm going to ask you to ask him to take this burden from you and heal you from this. Does that make sense? Yeah. And it may not happen overnight, and usually it doesn't. Usually when you get this rock, it's something you've picked up a little bit here and there over time. Lies that you believe, uh, things that have happened to you, things that you've done, uh, different thought patterns, uh, different habits that you have. And so we've got to realize today is a starting point to where we say, I'm not just going to walk around with rocks on my back and be light that's hidden and salt that's lost its savor. I'm going to address the rocks that Jesus talks about. So the first rock that we find in Matthew chapter 5, I'm going to call it the rock of hatred. The rock of hatred. Look with me in Matthew 5 verse 21. Jesus says, you have heard that it was said by them of old time. And you're going to see this throughout the passage. Jesus references the old time, the old timers, right? He says, you know what? There were some rules and laws that were made in the past, but then Jesus is going to teach us something new about it. He says, you've heard by them of old time, thou shalt not kill. Raise your hand if you've heard that one before. Listen, I hope this isn't new to you. We should not kill anyone, okay? Don't kill. No murdering. Don't do it. Jesus says no, okay? Don't, don't murder. That's what he says. Like, you know this. Thou shalt not kill. Whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. Yeah, we know that. But I say unto you that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hell fire. What Jesus does is he says, I'm going beyond the rules, the law, and I'm going to your heart. And some of us have picked up this rock of hatred. In this passage, Jesus speaks about anger, he speaks about hatred towards others. He speaks about ongoing conflict. He speaks about bitterness in our hearts. And what he says is, disciples of Jesus, the light of the world that represent me, are not to continue in conflict with others out of anger or hatred. Jesus goes beyond murder. He gets to the heart. And he says, he, he teaches us to stop being angry at others. He, he says that hatred should not exist in the Christian's heart. Ecclesiastes, one of these supporting verses, says, Be not hasty in thy spirit to be angry, for anger resteth in the bosom of fools. Jesus says, listen, if you are my people, you're to be distinct, light, salt in the world, you cannot continue the way everyone else does and just continually have hatred in your heart toward others. If there's someone in your life that you are harboring bitterness toward if there is someone in your life that you just don't like them and you are angry constantly about them, if you find yourself being a person that's just constantly fit with anger, Jesus is saying that that lifestyle does not line up with being the light of the world. 
In verse number 23, he, he really gets practical. He says, therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled unto thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. He says, imagine you're going to come to me and give me an offering. That's like what we're saying. God, I'm going to serve you. God, I want to be your light. Maybe, maybe you want, want to walk back there and, and put money in the offering. You say, God, I want to support your work. I want to give to you. Or, or you're making a donation to charity or you're doing something in the name of the Lord. He says, listen, listen this is Jesus teaching. He says, before you give to God, before you come to God and say, God, we're great. I'm giving to you. He says, if you have a problem with another person, you just leave your gift right there. Just, just go back and take care of that first. Jesus does not want his followers to be in ongoing conflict with others. He doesn't want you to harbor bitterness or anger or hatred towards somebody. He, he says up here uh, about saying words like uh, raka or being angry or calling someone a fool. Back in that day, that was just a derogatory term on a certain level. He said, listen, uh, you call somebody this name, you're in danger of the council, but if you have this inner hatred in your heart towards somebody. You just don't like them, and you're just angry at them, and you just wish ill on their life. That anger is something that you've picked up. It's a rock of hatred you've got to give to God and allow Him to heal in your life. If, if you are a Christian, and you find yourself constantly angry with someone or just people in general, you are not lighting the world with that attitude, okay? That's what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is, is bringing this to our eyes, and he's pointing this out to us. He says in verse number 25, Jesus says, Agree with thine adversary quickly, whilst thou art in the way with him, lest at any time the adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the officer, and thou be cast into prison. Amen for staying out of prison, right? Amen. This is how you do it, right? He says, listen, uh, Imagine you're in a situation and somebody is your adversary. You've, you feel a problem stewing, right? You ever been in that situation? This is going to turn into a fight. This is not going well. He, he uses the advice and Jesus says, agree with your adversary quickly. He says, before this gets too far down the road, would you handle the problem? Some of us love and, and have this uh, stirring in our heart to just make the problem bigger. We want to stir this problem up. But Jesus says, don't stir the problem up. Be a peacemaker. He began his Sermon on the Mount in uh, Matthew 5, verse 9. He said this, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Right. If you are a disciple of Jesus, you are always to seek forgiveness, restoration, and healing in your relationships. That is the goal. If you're bringing a gift to God and you have an ongoing problem with another Christian, if you're trying to serve God and you have this ongoing issue, God says, seek reconciliation with others. The truth is this, that you can't be right with God and wrong with others. There's some reason, and somehow that's the way God set up the world, is that he ties the relationship you have with him, whether that's on good terms, with how your relationships is with others. That's the first two commandments. Love God with all your heart and love others. If, if we're not loving others, if we're not seeking restoration, if we're constantly fighting, causing division, we cannot be the light of the world as God is calling us to be. 
So what we do is we bring this rock to Jesus, this hatred, this anger we've, we've bottled up or had. Maybe we have a conversation with someone. We deal with this, but we bring it to Jesus, and Jesus transforms our hatred into peace with others. Jesus can take that rock and take that burden from us. Let's look at the second rock Jesus teaches about. In Matthew 5, verse number 27, Jesus said again, You have heard that it was said by them of old time, there's the old timers again, Thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her, hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. The second rock that I want to look at here today is called the rock of impurity. This is a rock. Honestly, this is uh, many times unavoidable in a world we live in. It comes to us. We don't go looking for this. It, it's something where the world is, is corrupt. We live in a sinful, dark world, and, and, and we, we pick up impurity from the world. We, we find it. Not only that, we, are, we still have a sinful nature as human beings. God, don't think that you don't have temptations, right? I'm a human. You're a human. We all realize that this is a rock we all pick up. In this passage, Jesus discusses the topics of lustful looking. He discusses the topics of divorce and discusses vow breaking. And he says about us that his disciples should live lives of purity. He, he says there, there's, there's a, a rule that is this, thou shalt not commit adultery. Okay, don't cheat, right? No cheating, uh, don't, don't cheat, no, no physical affairs, don't do that. But Jesus takes it further. He goes in and he says, you need transformed from the inside out with your lust. Your problem, the desires you have. It's, it's because before you ever have a physical affair, you have an emotional affair. You have a mental problem. Jesus teaches us to protect our marriages, to protect our hearts he teaches us to keep others out, to keep sinful influences out. And the way that we protect our homes and our marriages is that we protect our own hearts. Husbands are called, uh, husbands and wives are called to guard their hearts and eyes and to give them only to their spouse. When Jesus talks about lust here, he says, whosoever looketh on a woman with lust has committed adultery with her already in his heart. You're not sinning only in the act and physical, you're sinning at the point of lust, right? And God has a different calling for his people. Did you hear me? Is there an amen for that? Amen. God has a different calling for his people. We live in a world that Divorce is flippantly thrown out. We live in a world where lust is normal. It's normalized. Not only normalized, it's advertised. Not only advertised, it's advertised to children as normal. Jesus teaches us we've got to protect our hearts. Realize, spouses, that there is no righteous way to fulfill the sexual desires that you have outside of your spouse, okay? There is no other way. It's not like you can tolerate a little bit of lustful looking and still be right in the heart. If you say, I want to be the light of the world, that means you need to address this rock of impurity. I'll say it this way. Pornography and discipleship do not mix. They sure Followers of Jesus do not tolerate sinful looking and thinking in their lives. And if you 
say, oh, this is something that everybody has to face, I would agree with you that we're all faced with temptation. I would agree with you, but here's what I want to tell you. I want to tell you, though temptation is real, God's calling is also real. He is calling you to get some self-control by the power of the Holy Spirit with your looking and your thinking. Do you hear me? That's what he's calling us to do. We don't overcome and pretend like we're okay either because that doesn't get us anywhere. Let's all pretend like everything is great, that our lives are great, that our marriages are great, and let's come to church and act right and act good. That's not it either. Jesus says to be authentic from the heart. So we need his help to overcome. We, we read this, uh, we sang the verses, I'm going to see a victory. I'm going to see a victory. It's not because of your hard work that you see a victory. It's because of God's transforming power in you that you see a victory. But he calls us not to lust. And then he says, to show us how serious he is, in verse 29, and if thy right eye offend thee, if you have a problem looking with lust, pluck it out. Whoa, that's gross. And uh, I, we, I don't want to see that in here, okay? He says, pluck it out, cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members or body parts should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. Cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So I asked the question, what is Jesus teaching us about impurity and living as his lights in the world? And this is simply it. We must take serious measures to protect our purity. Christians interact with the internet differently than non-Christians, Okay? That's just it. If you, uh, we've got teenagers down here, teenagers back here. I wish somebody would have uh, really, really explained this clearly for me that I couldn't go forward like my friends were the same way and just interact with the internet in an unfiltered way. Christians are called to purity. So Christians must take necessary steps to actually fulfill that. If Jesus is using an illustration to cut off your arm, he is saying, take this seriously. Here's what I mean. Christians will make, we don't make prior preparation for the flesh to fulfill its lust. The Bible says that. It teaches us, uh, don't, don't make a way for you to sin. And if on today, I can eliminate a temptation tomorrow, then I should do so. A lot of us, uh, we go forward and we know that temptation is coming. We know that it's there and we know what device it's on. We know what time it's on. We know the problem that we're facing, this, this rock of impurity. Yet we go forward foolishly thinking that maybe I can deal with the temptation today. You, you follow me? We do this. Well, why not eliminate the temptation of tomorrow today? Why not say, I'm going to set up some safeguards so I don't go there. I'm, I'm going to set up something in my life that's going to stop me from walking off a cliff, right? Yeah, that's right. So here's what we do. And, and I hope this is helpful in tools for you. We, we utilize filters and accountability software on our phones. Um, just mark it down. Uh, I, I heard it said, uh, I heard it asked ask the question, um, when is the right time to give your child a phone? And I understand everybody has different opinions about that. This is just something I heard asked. I believe it was at a conference, some video I was watching. But they asked this, this person, when is, is the right time? Because right now they're asking for phones at six, seven, eight years old. Can I have a phone? My friends have a phone. I want one. Can I have one? 
When's the best time to do that? And here's the answer. And you may agree with me or disagree with me, but I believe it supports what Jesus has to say. You give your child a phone when you want their childhood to end. You give your child a phone when you want their childhood to end. Because a lot of parents, they, they, they give this device and we're just stupid. And we don't realize that uh, this has unfiltered access to things that only that in the past had, you'd have to go and go into a certain store and pay money for. Now it's free. It's accessible. And you say, well, uh, it's not on what my kids are using. I will tell you that pornography is very clearly accessible and advertised and pushed to your kids. It's pushed to all of us. It's on every social media app that's out there, every single one. There's not one that's an exception. It's Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, TikTok. Uh, what's the other one? Snapchat. All of them. That, that, is, that, that is what is available on those platforms. And I'm saying to us today, when Jesus tells us, be the light of the world. A lot of Christians are over here saying, I can't. I'm so burdened down by what I've picked up in the world. I can't, I can't let my light shine. I'm, I'm living in darkness. I can't be the salt of the earth. I don't, have any, I don't have anything to offer anyone. I don't have any flavor. I'm dealing with the same problems that everyone else is dealing with. Jesus has a different calling for us. We, we, we can implement some tools. You can use Covenant Eyes. It's a filtering app. It's accountability software where somebody else gets reports on what takes place on your devices. It's available for iPhone, Android. You could get an app called Canopy, which filters stuff before it gets to the app. So it, it's a filter and an accountability guard uh, kind of at a higher level than uh, just on an app. There's an app called Bark, which is really great for parents. You should look into this. It's, it's something, these are things, if you never heard of them, you're already behind, okay? If you haven't heard of these things, you are already missing the boat. Um, if, you're a, if you're a man in here and you deal with porn, I'm, I'm telling you, stop just not being the light. Stop not being salt, and today's a good day to, to deal with it. Today's a good day to admit. Confession of sin is simply to tell God about a problem he already knows you have, okay? Uh, it's, it can, when you confess your sin, God's not surprised. God's not like, oh, wow, I didn't know, I didn't know you dealt with that. And the thing is, when, every time you deal with a sin, I don't care what sin it is you deal with, whether it's this rock of impurity, the rock of hatred, or these other ones, you don't know what they are yet. But if you deal with them, a lot of times we feel like we're the only ones that deal with them. That's a lie. Um, uh, there are many people in your situation that have dealt with, that have taken their burden to the Lord, that have found help, that have implemented these tools, that have seen the victory. And so I encourage you to start seeing the victory. There's a program uh, for men called Strive 21, strive21.com. Uh, it is a 21-day uh, accountability video workshop type thing that's really awesome. But what Jesus is calling us to do is to take serious measures when it comes to our purity. Uh, it, it affects everywhere. Purity isn't simply pornography. It also goes uh, toward what we listen to and what we watch in the movies. Um, the thing is, Jesus is old-fashioned. Jesus is not modern, okay? Uh, if you're following Jesus, you just better mark it down. There's some, some modern, cool, hip ideas that you don't participate in because that's not who Jesus is. Jesus is saying... Purity, righteousness, marriage, one man, one woman. 
We don't watch movies as Christians with inappropriate scenes, scenes, themes, or language. You just don't. It, it doesn't line up, right? Are you following me here? Yes. It doesn't line up. You could utilize VidAngel. It's a service you could pay for, and uh, you could filter certain things out. It's, it's nice sometimes to take a PG movie, a PG-13 movie, and make it a G movie. You can do that. That's out there. But maybe uh, you should consider uh, how that's helping you at all. Inappropriate scenes. Be careful what you watch and what you listen to. I learned this a long time ago. Uh, I heard this explained that uh, you have to be careful what you watch and what you listen to because your thoughts become your actions. Uh, you, everything you ever do, it's something you thought beforehand. And your actions then become your habits. It's something you, you may have thought, I did it one time, but now I find myself doing this all the time. I, I just can't stop. And then your habits become your reputation, um, which really is ruining your ability to be light in the world and salt. And your reputation becomes your life. But it all starts with your mind and what you watch and what you listen to. Jesus continues with this rock of impurity. This is a long one for today. In verse 31, he says, It hath been said, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let, let him give her a writing of divorcement. He's talking about divorce here. Uh, but I say unto you, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving or except for, saving for the cause of fornication, causeth her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committeth adultery. Um, Jesus teaches with this rock of impurity that it's, it's so directly tied to the institution of marriage. And he says you should value marriage in the way that God values marriage. Okay? This is why it's so important today. And uh, this is an aside, but in, 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 the, in Timothy, when um, God is talking about the church, he says that the church is the pillar and the ground of the truth. And he tells us, of us, we are the ambassadors of Christ, the light of the world. He calls Timothy to be an example of the believers in word and conversation and charity and spirit and faith and impurity. He says there ought to be people that follow me that are living the way I've called them to live. You live. It's not, it's not hypocrisy. You don't say you're living the way I'm calling you to live. You actually do live that way. You're actually implementing this teaching in your life. And what happens is, is if the church represents truth to the world, and if you represent light to the world, if God said that he created a male and female, and if God said that he created an institution of the home, and if, if God teaches us how to keep others out of marriage, and he tells us to protect our minds and protect our hearts, if we find ourselves, and this is just something I feel necessary to say, this is, um, this is June, right? Uh, what's June? It's my birthday. No, I'm speaking about Pride Month. I know you see it everywhere. It's all over the news. Listen, June, we, we're told that it, it's good and you're moral if you are an ally or if you support the idea of pride or you support the idea of, um, that, that a man can marry a man or a man could become a woman or whatever idea that's out there. Here's what I'm exp expressing to you through God's word today is that God says the light of the world upholds truth. And that is not the truth. Does that make sense? So if you're saying, I'm going to shine as a light, you cannot, you cannot agree with those ideas. Does that make sense? You cannot agree with those ideas. And you also cannot be hateful to other people that aren't like you. So it kind of goes together, doesn't it? You, you can't be hateful. You can't be, uh, you're, you're representing a God. Listen, you, all right, this is, getting, this is getting somewhere here. God looks at us. 
And the Bible says that God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. When you were opposite of God, when you were opposing God, when you were the enemy of God, God looked at you and he didn't ignore your sin. He paid the price for your sin. He sacrificed himself so that you wouldn't have to deal with the consequences of your sin. He doesn't overlook our sin, but he does love us in an extreme way. And that is the attitude we should have toward others. We pick up this rock of hatred. We, we, we adopt it in our life, this rock of impurity. God is calling us to something different because we are different. When we bring this rock to Jesus, he transforms our impurity to purity. Let's look at the next rock, rock number three. Rock number three, Jesus speaks about, he's preaching about. This is a heavy rock, hard to get out. This is the rock of dishonesty. The rock of dishonesty. Jesus, he moves from speaking about uh, hating somebody, having anger in your heart. He talks about purity, but then he gets into this section and it's like, wow, he's really got some strong values that ought to be lived out. He says in verse number uh, 33, again, you've heard, it's been said by them of old time, thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shall perform unto the Lord thine oath. He says, you know what? The standard rule of thumb has always been, if you swear under oath, don't perjure yourself, okay? He says, if you swear to tell the truth, and the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God, well, go ahead and tell the truth. Jesus takes it further than that. He has a different expectation for his followers. He says in verse 34, but I say to you, swear not at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, you know, you say, I swear to God, I'm not going to do this. That's what he's talking about. Right. Nor by earth. Oh, I, you know, swear on my mom's grave. You know, I've heard that before. The same thing. For it is his footstool, neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by thy head, because thou canst not make one hair white or black. Here's, his, here's what he's calling us to. He says, but let your communication be yea, yea. Nay, nay. Can you say yay, yay? Yeah, yeah. Can you say nay, nay? Let's put it together. Ready? Yay, yay. Nay, nay. Go ahead. One, two, three. Try it again. Yay, yay. Nay, nay. You're never going to forget this point, okay? Let your communication be yay, yay, nay, nay. That means yes, yes, or no, no. He says, for whatsoever is more than these cometh of evil. He says, I love this because Jesus is teaching us something. It is okay to call evil, evil. It is okay to call evil, evil. You, we care so much about what everybody else is saying or thinks about us. We don't care about what God says, right? God called, he says, when you have to say, I promise, or I swear, or I know I'll do this. He says, you know what? Don't stop that promising stuff. It's not about cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle in my eye. You ever did that one? Or, or a pinky promise, a spit shake. It's not about that. It's not, you don't, a Christian should not be known by like saying, I'm going to prom- I promise you this. No, he just says as a Christian, be honest in all situations at all times. Amen. He says, let your yes be yes, your no be no. If you tell someone something, he says as a believer, if you're going to light the world and salt the earth, you are going to just be honest always. If, if, if you're going to do something, you say you're going to do it, you, you do it. Discipleship uh, means keeping your commitments. 
right? A lot of times we think ah, discipleship is me learning all those verses, and I've got to know the Romans wrote, and I've got to come to church. No, just simply do what you say you're going to do and do that, and be honest with people. Uh, this honesty, many times we, we pick up this rock of dishonesty uh, by engaging in white lies. We, we tell people harmless uh, little variants of the truth. Uh, we we uh, try to keep the, the peace, right? And so we don't tell all the truth. We have white lies. Many times we exaggerate. Exaggeration is not being honest. It, you know, that's telling the big fish tale, right? You know, it was how, how, how big was the fish you caught or whatever. You, you make it exaggerated. Exaggeration is not reality. It's not the truth. Jesus says, just tell the truth because you are the representative of the truth. If somebody has to question whether what you're saying is true or not, what are they going to think when you try to tell them the most important truth about how they can get to heaven and the fact that they're a sinner and the fact that Jesus died for them? They're going to think, forget you. Uh, I can't listen to you. You don't even tell the truth anytime. And so to be salt, to be light, we've got to be truth tellers. Uh, we avoid white lies, exaggeration. There's this thing called omission. It's when you... Um, conveniently withhold the truth uh, for your benefit. You, you don't tell the whole truth uh, in, your, in your story. Uh, th- this also goes into uh, the area of plagiarism, right? Uh, anybody ever hear uh, chat GPT? Chat GPT? The Bible is speaking about chat GPT right here. This is a good example. Let your yay be yay. Tell the truth always. Uh, people plagiarize, copy and paste, others work whether you're doing anything creative, uh, we shouldn't plagiarize because that's dishonest. To, to portray that you did something when you didn't do it isn't true. Uh, so um, I'm not saying you don't use tools to help you. Like um, there's that one called Grammarly. Anybody ever use that one? That's a lifesaver, right? Uh, you, 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 it adds correct punctuation and corrects your spelling and grammar. Like it's, it's awesome. Um, but plagiarism is, is simply lying. It's taking credit for something that's not yours. And then we have the, uh, the lie of cheating, this dishonesty, where we, uh, maybe that's cheating on a test, uh, maybe that's uh, manipulating some sort of data for an advantage for you at work. There's financial dishonesty, that includes activities such as fraud or embezzlement, or maybe misrepresenting something on a tax form. These things, this dishonest rock, we can get trapped in dishonesty. Uh, dishonesty, you know, you, you lie once and you've got to tell a lie to keep up with that lie and pretty soon nobody can believe a word you say. And you have totally made yourself of no use uh, in the kingdom because your word doesn't mean very much. And the thing is, you may find yourself there. Don't beat yourself up about it. Jesus isn't teaching this to beat you up about it. He's saying, no, no, I'm, I'm, I'm showing you a better way. I'm showing you a way, and if you, if you realize the sins in your life, come to me, and I'll transform that area of your life. In Proverbs 12, 22, uh, the Bible says, Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but they that deal truly are his delight. Man, God delights in people that tell the truth. Uh, Ephesians 4, 25 talks about when we get saved, when, when God transforms us from the inside out, it says we put away lying, and let every man speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one of another. Lying uh, is not a characteristic of those that are followers of Jesus. Uh, So we should address this rock. Uh, The final rock that I want to address today that Jesus is teaching about in Matthew 5, we're going to wrap this up here. The the last rock here is this rock that I'm going to call indifference, the rock of indifference. Jesus begins speaking, and he, he really 
gets into some famous passages here that, that maybe you've heard of before if, if this is new to you. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 38, Jesus says, Ye have heard that it has been said, another one of those old-time laws or rules, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. He's saying what the way to do things used to be is that if somebody hits you, what do you do? You hit him back. Oh, man. Somebody hits you, you hit them back. Did anybody's parents tell them that? Are your parents in the room? I'm just, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Listen, well, let's see what Jesus has to say. What was he talking about here? He says, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. But whosoever shall smite thee on the right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law and take away thy coat, let him have thy cloak also. And whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain or two miles. Jesus, he, he's teaching in this end of, the past, end, end of this chapter 5, and he's teaching us how we respond to offenses, how we respond to people that we don't like or people that hurt us. How, how, how do we respond? To understand the background here, especially on this uh, section of going an extra mile. You ever heard that, go the extra mile? I used to work at Chick-fil-A, Right? I used to work at Chick-fil-A. Many of you love Chick-fil-A. Uh, I, I used to work there, and they had this thing they called second mile service. And I remember going to Chick-fil-A, working there, and they taught me, listen, we don't just say, can I refill your drink? We say, may I refresh your beverage? And uh, it's second mile. You, and you don't only ask them. Like, you go out and check on them, and you offer to take their trash. It's going above and beyond. It's really what we have in our mission statement here and what we do. Uh, in helping people find and follow Jesus. But in that day, there was uh, this area where Jesus was at in Palestine. It was under Roman occupation. They had these soldiers in town running things, and the people didn't like that. And these soldiers had this uh, ability. They, they could ask them, hey, carry my equipment for a mile. Come, come and carry my stuff for me. Why? Well, I, I don't like it when somebody that I don't like tells me to do something. Does anybody feel that way? Yeah, you just feel a little sense of they just need to get a piece of my mind. I don't want, let alone do what they're asking me, right? Well, Jesus says, instead of giving them a piece of your mind, instead of retaliating an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, uh, why not consider a different way? Is it possible that if the Holy Spirit... Uh, God living within you, if he gives you the ability, if he's empowering you to be the light of the world, isn't it possible that he could allow you, instead of retaliating in anger, that he could allow you to show mercy? If somebody does wrong to you, isn't it possible that you could choose by power of the Holy Spirit alone, not by, I'm not asking you to do this in your own flesh because I know how you'd respond, but if you do it in God's power, isn't it possible just Consider the possibility that you don't have to yell back at somebody, that you don't have to become a viral YouTube Karen or something like that, uh, that you don't have to treat somebody the way that you think they deserve to be treated, that you could treat them like God treated you, where he withheld punishment from you. Isn't it possible? I believe it's possible, and that's what Jesus is teaching about. He says many times we're just indifferent to people that we don't like, and we say, I don't even care about them. I'll say what I want to say. I'll treat them the way I want to treat them. Who cares about them? Jesus cares about them. Uh, punishment may be deserved, but God says, would you just let me be the judge? Would you just let me? 
He says in Romans 12, verse 19, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with good. And that is a better way than indifference. Jesus says, show mercy, withhold your punishment. He says, show grace, go the extra mile. Don't just give them what's reasonable, give them more, be generous. In verse number 42, Jesus says, Give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You have heard that it has been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. Yeah, I've heard that. But I say unto you, love your enemies. You want to be salt and light in the world? Allow God to love your enemies. Enemies could be somebody that teaches something different than you. Enemies could be somebody that, you know, if they could, they might want to hurt you. They, they might not like you at all. They might want to make your life hard and difficult. Jesus says here, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust, isn't God nice? Uh, he, he gives blessings even to those that don't deserve it. Um, that being us, right? Yeah. For if you love them which love you, what reward have ye? Do not even the publicans the same? And if you salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Jesus loved his enemies, and so can we with his power. He says, if you always are treating, the only people you treat kindly are the ones that do kindly to you, what, what good is that? How does that show a distinction from the world? That's what he's getting at, the light of the world. You show a distinction by doing something different, and that would be by loving your enemies. I want to give a short aside here because this whole idea of letting somebody smite you and, and then just turning the other cheek and smiting the other side and take things away from you, Jesus is not at all here preaching about letting somebody abuse you. I just want to be clear about that. Uh, this is not what he's talking about. There are many other verses in the, in the scripture we could go into those, but Jesus is not saying, hey, uh, be a victim of abuse. He's not saying that at all. Jesus never says, let somebody beat you and hurt you and take all your things away. That is not what he's calling us to do. He's teaching how Christians can treat enemies because typically enemies are treated as in they're mean to me, well, I'm going to destroy them. And Jesus says, maybe through my power you can be kind to your enemies and uh, be a light for me. Let me wrap this up here. We have these four rocks, hatred, impurity, dishonesty, and indifference. Jesus says to let our light so shine before men. He says, let it shine. I just want to ask you, we're going to sing a song of invitation as they come out. I want to ask you, as the invitation plays, would you simply consider these rocks? I wonder if there's somebody coming to your mind right now that as you think about them, you've got a big problem with them. You're harboring bitterness in your heart toward them. Would you consider taking that to Jesus? Would you consider even doing what he's saying? Leave and go make it right with them.
That'd be, wouldn't that be interesting if the whole church just stood up right now and left and went and made some phone calls? I always thought about that when I read that. Like, does he mean right now? Uh, maybe you picked up the rock of impurity. I will tell you, you are not alone. There are others in here who have struggled, fought, and won in Jesus' name over impurity in their life, and you can too. Maybe you find yourself that you can't be a a light to your neighbor because you're just not trustworthy with your words. You're not honest. I'm encouraging you that today you would consider what rock you have been carrying and that you would lay that rock at Jesus' feet because being light means that you live the lifestyle Jesus teaches with authenticity. That means from the heart and that you do it all the time. Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. That's what Jesus says. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart, and ye shall find rest unto your souls.